Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello again, dear friend. It is with great joy that I start a new series with you called The Power of Prayer. I believe it's going to be something powerful in your life that's going to help you to experience more of what God has for you as you walk out the reality of your Christian faith. And if you're not a believer yet or if you're investigating Christianity, I want to encourage you to listen this to this um, and pay attention to it as you see that the walk with God um, through Christ is a supernatural walk. And we have been given the wonderful, wonderful privilege of relating to God through prayer in a very, very um, incredible way. And so I want you to grab your notebook, your Bible, pen and something to drink and we're going to get straight into it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness, for your glory, for how you touch us and how you love us. Thank you that as we get into the word together, that it will be something powerful as we get to really see what you say prayer is all about, as we direct our thoughts and our focus onto what you want us to receive from this time together, we want to thank you that our ears of our heart is open and our eyes are open to see you the way you want to be seen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in this truth and that we can really expect um, greater things as you lead us through this time together. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, I think no matter where you are in your prayer walk or where your prayer life is currently, I am sure that we can all say it would be wonderful having a prayer life that has power. So whatever our ideas of prayer or our experience of prayer is like, we can all agree that it would not hurt having a greater prayer life. The better question to ask then is why? Why do we think that it would be better? Well, because Jesus' challenge still lies um, ahead of us or lies in front of us. The challenge that he presented in John 14, verse 12 to 14, when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, ye will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Whether you ask in my, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Just take a moment to think about that. Think about your prayer life and compare it to the promise or the challenge we see in this verse. Would you say that this verse is a reality you experience in your prayer life? Or is it a reality that you can only dream of? I know that for most of us, we would say that it is a reality that seems quite impossible or only for some people and not for you or for me. Yet, it was given to all who believe. Jesus says, all who believe in me. It is given to all of them who believe in him. And the reality is that he, as our Lord and Savior, has not changed his mind about this verse. He has not looked at the world and everything happening around us or in our circumstances and gone, well, now this verse is totally irrelevant. 
Oh, now this verse will never work. This promise will never work. That is not how he is and that is not who he is. So if it is still true, because it is, and if this is possible, then we can all say then that is why I would love to have a greater prayer life and see more results when I pray. And so I really do believe that if we want to see this promise of Jesus fulfilled in our lives, it will start with our prayer life. At the start of this series, I want to already admit that there is no possible way that I could cover the topic of prayer completely, even if we were to stop and look at it for an entire year. But I do want us to focus in on specific elements of prayer, such as why it's so important, and specifically go to praying in spirit, which I believe is such a key to experiencing what Jesus has promised us in many different ways throughout the Word of God. So, I'm going to start also by asking you to open up your heart. To receive from this series, we will need to let God bring revelation and awakening to a part of our life that's absolutely essential for our walk with God. And my desire would be that even after this teaching, you would have an encounter with the Word of God that will rise up your faith and move you from where you currently are in your relationship with Him with regards to prayer into a greater experience of what He has promised us so long ago. Okay? Let's start with this statement. I want you to take note of it and listen carefully. In the same way that Christianity is a reality to be experienced and not just a religion to be followed, prayer is a reality that leads to experience and not just a religious act we do because we are Christians. I'll repeat it again. In the same way that Christianity is a reality that should be experienced and not just a religion that we should follow, Prayer is a reality that leads to an experience and not just a religious act we do because we are Christians. When we think of prayer, we tend to say things um, like prayer is just relationship with God or prayer is just speaking to God. And I 100% agree with that. That is 100% true. Yet I have also been challenged by what God's word says about it and also realizing that sometimes we still get stuck in some form of religious duty when it comes to prayer, not expecting much or even getting distracted with things that we shouldn't get distracted with. And so in this series, as we go through it, and even today, I want to start just showing you a more accurate possible definition for prayer if we look at the Bible. I think it would be more accurate to say that prayer is when we purposefully put our focus on God. It is where we activate faith and take up our authority to release God's power into situations. Prayer is where we receive from God, where we surrender to God, and where we relate to Him in a personal and very powerful way. So, I should say that again, if you're taking notes. It would be more accurate to say, according to the Bible, that prayer is when we purposefully put our focus on God. It is where we activate faith and take up our authority to release God's power into situations. It is where we receive from God, where we surrender to God, 
and where we relate to him in a very personal and powerful way. Now from this definition, a few things should become clear immediately. First of all, prayer is not a place where we focus on us, but the focus is on God, and it's supposed to bring our focus onto him. So if you if you've ever prayed, and I have too, about something or someone, and you end up by the end of your prayer just speaking to God about this person, or actually not even talking to God about that anymore, the thing or the person, now you're just caught up in your thoughts about that thing, situation, or person, that's not prayer. And actually, the best thing you can do is stop, get into the Word, or walk away, and come back later and pray again, when you can put your focus on Jesus and who he is, and God's wonderful, wonderful presence. Everything changes then with how we pray about the person, situation, or thing. Second of all, we must realize that prayer is not a place where we tell God what to do. Although it is a place where we take up our authority in Christ Jesus, and it is a place where we release God's will and his power on the earth, It is not a place where we get to tell God what to do in our lives and how to do it and by when to do it. That is not prayer. Thirdly, prayer is not like a genie bottle. You don't just rub it, the genie bottle, you know how you rub it and then you have your three wishes and then the genie disappears. You know, many times we do... Even myself, I've caught myself as well, where I come in prayer and instead of coming to engage in this holy, sacred place of relating to God in a personal and powerful way, instead of uh, surrendering to Him and receiving from Him and focusing on Him, I just want to quickly make my prayer request known and I want Him to grant it as quick as He can and then I want to get on with life. That is not prayer or the purpose of prayer. Then, I think it's number four, prayer always has a result. Listen, when we do pray, there is a result. And when we don't pray, there is a result. Therefore, prayer is extremely powerful and very important. So although it is accurate to say that prayer is all about relationship with God, I would say it's actually the overflow of relationship with God. Prayer is also extremely precious, sacred, powerful, and holy in God's eyes, and so it should also be in ours. Lastly, last point, is that prayer is for everyone. Remember this as we start speaking about praying in spirit. Prayer is for everyone. Every single one of Jesus' followers, and even Jesus himself, prayed. Therefore, it is not for a few elite It's not for a few people who get it right, but it is for all of us who believe. So, let's get into the Word to see what God's Word says about prayer and activate our faith so that we may see what God has in store for us, okay? We will go into a few scriptures. I'm not going to, at the beginning, I'm not going to just go deep into some of these scriptures. I just want to create an excitement and a realization of how important prayer is in your life today. That's what we're going to do. Then we're going to go deeper in the following teachings. So we see, for example, in the life of Jesus in Mark 11, verse 17, and the context for that verse in Mark eleven seventeen 17, 
is that Jesus is at the temple. He's casting out the money changers out of the temple. And then he says, and he teaches, and he says, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. Here we clearly see that Jesus says the purpose of the temple was to be a place of prayer. Today we know if we look in the book of Corinthians that Paul says that we are the temple of God. God's spirit has now come to live inside of us as born again believers. And now we can be temples filled with prayer. Isn't that awesome? Second, we can see that uh, or not second, but we can also see in Luke 5, verse 15 to 16, that news about Jesus was spreading. Crowds were coming to him uh, to be taught of him, to be healed by him. And then the verse says, but Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. Prayer was an important part of, of Jesus's life on the earth. It's still an important part of his life as he intercedes for us. But it was important enough for him that he would actually go and spend time separate to pray. Now, he was extremely busy, yet he never said, Oh God, you know me. I know I've got connection with you and relationship with you, so I just want to uh, rest a bit. He was consciously putting aside, putting aside time to pray. It was important to him. We see there are times where he prayed all night. That is awesome. And in Matthew 26, verse 40, the context is that he is now about to go and pray before he's going to face crucifixion, which once again is, is shows you how he views prayer, that of all things he could do before that, he decides to go and pray. He invites his disciples to join him and stand watch with him, and then they fall asleep. And when Jesus comes back, he says, um, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. That's Matthew 26, 40. You know, what we miss here is that Jesus is actually saying that one hour of prayer is too little. And I'm not trying to load any condemnation because condemnation doesn't work. And I'm not telling you to make a formula where you have your prayer list and you time yourself praying for one hour. That's not the point. Don't get that from it. The point is this. Jesus's view of prayer was that an hour is a little so if we have the right attitude towards prayer, if we have the right revelation of what prayer is like and how powerful it is and what it does and what we do in prayer, an hour would be too short. So look at you, the followers of Jesus. And I'm only picking a few scriptures. If you go and Google the word prayer, you come, there's like thousands of scriptures. So I'm only going to focus on a few. Remember, we can't cover everything. I just want to excite you and give you an appetite and a real excitement and desire to say, God, I want more in my prayer life. Show me. Now, if we look at the followers of Jesus, we see in Acts 1, 14 and 15 that they all met together and they were constantly united in prayer. Okay, we see that when they prayed in the um, TLB translation, um, Acts 1.15 says, this prayer meeting went on for several days. Isn't that awesome? That they could just pray together. Okay, in Acts 2.42, we see that they were continually getting together, being around the apostles' teaching, being around fellowship. They were eating their meals together and they were praying together. It was important to them, not just individual prayer, but also collective prayer. We see in um, Paul's life 
that he valued and highly esteemed prayer. We have scriptures like Romans 1 verse 9 where he says that God has seen how I never stop praying for you while I serve him with all my heart and tell the good news about his son. Ephesians 1 15 and 16 where he's heard about the faith that they have and the love for all the people he says so I never stop being grateful for you as I mention you in my prayers. In 1 Thessalonians 5 17 he says to us never stop praying. Isn't that so simple? Never stop praying. We see the same thing in the life of another follower of Jesus uh, or a believer in Jesus Christ, which is James. And in James 5 verse 16, there's a beautiful scripture, the last part of that, James 5 16. It says the heart in the Amplified says the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, that's the believer, is able to accomplish accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Wow, it is therefore very clear from just these few verses that prayer was practiced regularly and continuously by both Jesus and the early church. There are so many more verses we can use, but let's talk about why, why it's so important. Well, it's because there's benefits to praying, collectively and individually. I like to use this example. Let's imagine I'm holding in my hand a brand new phone, an iPhone, whatever, or whatever your favorite phone is. If I hold that phone, and let's imagine you've got that phone, and you're using it for business, you're using it for communication, you're using it for Instagram, you're using it to phone people to take beautiful photos and videos, you would not say that you're using that phone for its full capacity, right? No, you're never going to get onto that phone and it's going to say capacity reached. Now, prayer is like that. You cannot take that phone and command that phone to be more than what it is. The The problem is not with the phone if you're not using it for all that it was made to be used for. Okay. And so you can't get frustrated with the phone and say, well, um, this phone is only useful for this. If all you're using on it is WhatsApp and um phone calls and videos or photos, then you can't say, oh, I wish this thing could just do more. And that's the same with prayer. We cannot come to our prayer life and say, I, I, I wish there was more. God, give me more. Give me more. That's not what prayer is. It's not what it's all about. When we understand the precious power of prayer, we will come with a completely different attitude. In the same way, we'd come to that phone and say, wow, what is the power the power or the functionality or the fig, how can I use this to transform my life? And that's just the phone. Imagine prayer. Whoa, that encourages me. Even now as I sit here and say it, it even encourages me. You would um, want to know how to use that phone. And how would you, if you have a new phone, learn how to use it? You would play around with it. You would use it. And then also you would most properly watch a video or a tutorial, or read up about it, whatever you like to do. But you would have to learn about it. That's why we share truth about prayer. That's why I'm going to dig into this over the next few weeks. Because as we discover, or as we get to know more about what God's, God's saying in His Word about prayer, it will also increase our capacity to engage in prayer in a meaningful way. So we're going to go back to our definition of prayer and what we said is that prayer is, let me just get it, prayer is where we purposefully put our focus on God. 
It is where we activate faith and take up our authority to release God's power into situations. Prayer is where we receive from God, where we surrender to God, and where we relate to Him in a personal and powerful way. So let's start with the first part of that definition. Prayer is when we purposefully put our focus on God. So go to Acts 9 verse 40 and read with me. After Peter had sent everyone out of the room, he knelt down and prayed. So where was he? Well, Peter was in a room where a lady had passed away. Her name was Dorcas. And now everybody was crying and it was very sad and he sends them all away. Then he turned, uh, sorry, he sent everyone out of the room. He knelt down and prayed. Then he turned to the body of Dorcas and said, Tabitha, get up. The woman opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So our point here is that prayer is where we purposefully put our focus on God. Peter purposefully turns away from the situation, away from the dead body, prays, and after that turns to the dead body, puts his focus in prayer on God and commands that this situation changes. You see, that is what it's supposed to be like when we pray. We take our focus off of the circumstances and put it right back on God so that it can have an influence on our circumstances. The second part of that definition of prayer is that prayer is where we activate faith and take up our authority to release God's power into situations. In Acts 12, Peter is, got, is thrown into prison. And, uh, and when the church finds out, this is what they do in verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. We know that the result of this prayer is that an angel appears to Peter and leads him out of the prison, say, into um, all the way to safety, to such a degree that he thinks he's dreaming. And when he goes to the church and says, here I am, they think it's a ghost. They don't even want to allow him into the door. So what is this showing us? That when we pray together and individually, but specifically also together, we activate faith and we take up our authority to release God's power so that that which man cannot do, God can do in ways we couldn't even imagine. The next part of our definition of faith is that of prayer is that prayer is where we receive from God. In John 11, we have the account where Jesus goes to Lazarus, Lazarus, his dear friend who died. And um, after Lazarus has already been put in his grave, um, he, Jesus arrives. And so in, jo in John 11, verse 40, 41 to 43, we have this record. It says, so they removed the stone because Jesus asked them to. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I say it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, to them, unbind him and let him go. So in this point, I want to point out that prayer is where we receive from God. Jesus not, not, did not receive when Lazarus walked out. Jesus himself knew he had already received when he says these words, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me.
okay? He was confident that his prayer was faithful because his father heard his prayers. And because of that one prayer, God turned that dead situation into something that brought life, hope, joy, and so many testimonies because of God's goodness. Isn't that awesome? The next part of the definition of prayer is prayer is where we surrender to God. I want to take you to Acts 10 verse 9 to 15. Remember to go to these scriptures. I'm going into many scriptures today, so go to them for yourself. It's a place where we surrender to God. In Acts 10, Peter is praying, and um, as he's praying, he sees a vision. So let's read about that. The next day about noon, this is Acts 10 verse 9 to 15. The next day about noon, these men were coming near Joppa. Peter went up to the roof of his house to pray, and he became very hungry. And so while the food were being prepared, he fell asleep and had a vision. He saw heaven open and something came down like a huge sheet held up by its four corners. In it were all kinds of animals, snakes and birds. And a voice said to him, Peter, get up, kill these and eat them. But Peter said, Lord, I can't do that. I've never eaten anything that is unclean and not fit to eat. And the voice spoke to him again. When God says that something can be used for food, don't say it isn't fit to eat. I like another trans- the, a better translation for me is where it says what God calls holy, don't you call unholy or unclean. And so what we get from this is that this encounter, and we know the following events, the events that follow after this encounter with God would forever change the history of the world. Because now God was telling Peter, you need to surrender your ways, your thoughts of how I do what I do. So Peter was being challenged to surrender his thoughts and his ideas about how God moves and how God works so that God could do something incredible in his life. He was about to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And in fact, if Peter in this time of prayer, if Peter didn't set aside this time of prayer, it is very possible that today um, God, and if he didn't allow God to challenge his view of how things would look, if he didn't surrender that in prayer, many of us would never have heard the gospel because it's because of that encounter that the gospel could go out to Gentiles and further. Okay, then I said that prayer is where we relate to God in a personal and very powerful way. I want you to go and read on your own John 17 and see how Jesus spoke to his father as he gives us this beautiful example of his prayer life. In in verse 1 it says, Jesus spoke these things and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may... um, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Go and read that whole chapter. It's incredible. And look at it through the eyes of how Jesus is relating to his Father in a personal and powerful way. Jesus is sharing here how he prays and he he prays knowing his identity and his union with the Father. And from that place, 
he could pray a prayer that would outlast his generation and still impact us today, hundreds and thousands of generations later. Isn't that incredible? I want to challenge you and encourage you today to take this teaching and allow the Holy Spirit, maybe after this, take a song and listen to a song. We did it on Sunday in our service. We just sat quietly with the Lord in a time of singing and just asked Him, Father, in these points, as you've shown us what prayer is about and, and what it's for, show me personally, where is an area where I need to grow? Maybe in all of them. Maybe I need to expect more in all of them. Maybe there's some of them that I want to experience more of your awareness, more of who you are, a greater awakening to what prayer really is. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are in your prayer life today, Go to God and say, Father, I know there's more. Show me how. Father, I know there's more. Here I am. Father, I surrender. I receive. And I let you do what you want to do with me through this prayer life. As I study it out and as I just practice what I learned, I thank you for a greater impact and fruitfulness so that I too may be one of those who say, say, Jesus, I take your challenge. If you say greater things, is still ahead greater things than I accept it, I receive it, and I walk in it. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.cm